2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: The first line of this letter is, Jason, I am your long-lost sister, and I have been looking for you for 20 years.
3: Hello. And welcome back to One Minute Remaining. My name is Jack Lawrence, the host and creator of this show. Recently, we wrapped up a story that has undoubtedly been our most polarising to date. The story of Jason Vukovic, the man they call the Alaskan Avenger. We now have almost 3,000 people in the OMR Facebook group, and it's fair to say that any time the subject of Jason came up, there was robust discussion and debate happening in the comments. People who were completely on Jason's side, and those who were strongly opposed to not only what he did, but how some say he seemed to justify his actions. There was also others who were on the fence. This is really what is at the core of this show. Stories that get people talking, get people having healthy debate and asking questions. One question that's been asked a few times, both in the Facebook group and on the OMI hotline, is if Jason is released, would he re offend? Would he find himself compelled to once again enact some vigilante justice on other convicted sex offenders? And as we're just a couple of weeks away from that actual possibility with Jason having a parole hearing, I thought it would be a perfect time to have that discussion. As we know, Jason is in prison, and in his own words to me, surrounded by people who carry the same or similar offenses of the men he attacked on the outside. He says that in fact in the facility they are quite vigorously protected.
1: It's more vigorous and more vicious than that too. Like, they they transferred me to the prison I'm in now, Um, and I refer to it as the saturation method. They have them in general population here, so I am surrounded frequently by rapists, child molesters. They're everywhere, and they are are beyond protected. Um, And if you even imply anything around these people, um, basically what's odd is they've set it up where basically... The the sex offenders and deviants uh, are in charge of the administration and the CO's. Because they will just drop a note in the box, and then that night the CO's will come and take you somewhere if you've said or implied anything to any of them. It's very bizarre. And also, a very important point here, which it really needs to be focused on, is this. You know, part of my sentence, my 23-year sentence, they were very specific. While serving your time, um, and my chances of rehabilitation, by the way, were deemed nil, and I was a waste of the precious resources, quote-unquote, of the DOC. That is in my pre-sentence report, for real. Um, They said I could use this time to medicinally and therapeutically address uh, the underlying trauma um, in my life. So, interestingly... um, And I have uh, responses in writing from their mental health department to to demonstrate all of this. Um, The DOC says, uh, while you're in the DOC, they will provide all mental health services, comma, currently we do not have any resources to provide you any therapy or counseling. Um, Furthermore, um, I have petitioned and asked them repeatedly um, to pay for my own teletherapy or if they would facilitate a Skype Encounter once a week, once a month, denied, will not allow it. Um, so ironically, I'm 47 years old and I am in prison and they won't allow me to have any therapy, even if I pay for it myself at zero expense for them. Uh, they will not allow it. So um, it's an interesting paradigm because if you're a sex offender or a pedophile, they certainly have counseling or therapy for you. And within a few years, you will be back out in the community as a result of that therapy. The only, first of all, we cannot rationalize it um, other than one way and one way only, and that is this. I often tell people, if you fly over the state of California and you want to know why Elon Musk built that giant series of buildings, you just look at what comes out the end, and you say, oh, shiny new Teslas, that's what that factory is built for. Look, there they are. Similarly, this system of justice was built with purpose. It wasn't built by accident. These rules and these laws, they are not done accidentally. It is with purpose. So there is a reason why if you are a childhood trauma survivor and it has led to criminal behavior in your life, you literally cannot address it through therapy while serving time. And the reason why is because it is designed and built for you to get out, commit another crime, and come right back and occupy a shelf space in their human warehouse, it is purpose built for that reason. There is no other way, no other conclusion you can draw. Um, and I am neither a defeatist nor am I a complainer, but I'm living it. And I'm telling you, I have approached this intelligently from every single angle. Um, and there is, and the other thing is the the high percentage of guys in here. If I do a survey, 70 to 80 percent burnt with curling irons, raped when he was eight years old, beaten for 10 years. Most of the people are child abuse survivors, and they've been forced into an environment where it is against the rules to have PTSD therapy because this is not a therapeutic environment.
3: And it just doesn't make sense whatsoever. I mean most of the men and women I speak to Jason they're all saying the same thing. prison there is no such thing as rehabilitation inside the prison there is just not it's just not it's just true. it's literally true. as you say it's a warehouse for human beings it's a money-making machine you know everything costs money everything's true. extra uh, it's a case of just making sure those beds are filled so they can keep making money
1: It is true that is a hundred percent true and I mean the only avenue that I have seen around this um, And there's been been some attempts. So I was under a very liberal warden for a very short period of time at the maximum security prison, mind you, where they had me housed the first six years of my sentence, even though I've only been a medium security custody the whole time. Mm. So in the maximum security joint, I had an excellent warden, and every proposal I gave him, he approved it. One of them was an inmate-led reentry mod where I did I created resumes for guys, hundreds of resumes for guys that had never even seen a CV, had no idea what it was, uh, gave interview classes, taught them how to tie ties, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and I'm telling you now, I thought in my mind that at the very least these people would think selfishly, and they would realize that a prisoner coming out with a resume and interview skills and release clothing um had less of a likelihood to break into your house and steal from you. Um, but they aren't even their selfishness does not trump their punitive mindset. Um, and they shut that reentry mod down instantaneously as soon as the new governor was elected. Um, absolutely amazing to me. Um and that was all ran by inmates, led by inmates myself, um at no cost to the state of Alaska whatsoever.
3: Yeah. So they they can't even they can't even put it down to oh it's a budget situation it's not a budget situation it's purely just a Not at all. Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's just Not at
1: all. And initially initially when they shut it down I was I was in my feelings and I was upset, you know. And then I just had a had a moment of clarity and I was like, "You know what? All right. Yeah, you guys are right because check it out, these guys are not getting released to live in my backyard. They're not coming to my neighborhood. They're coming to your neighborhood. Yeah. They're going to date your daughters and steal your cars. If that's what you want, okay, go ahead. So um, it's a very strange thing. And this, these, all of these things need to be addressed legislatively. That is the only way it changes. And I say this because those of us that are experiencing it and those of you out there that are becoming aware of it, these laws and these rules have been enacted or facilitated in our lifetimes. That means we have not done enough to fix it. So I, I take responsibility myself um, as much as the people that are administering policies that were enacted during my lifetime. Um, we need to fix it.
3: So obviously, Jason has not attacked any of these men in the facility. You might say, well, he's not going to attack people in prison, as this will just mean time added to his sentence and no chance of getting that parole. But in one of our chats, Jason did in fact answer this very question as to whether or not he would re-offend.
1: And I will tell you right now where I sit that I am at peace with who I am today. What this process has wrought inside of me and the healing that it's brought me, um, I am at peace with who I am today. Um, I'm desperate to be free, and I would love to have some freedom and fresh air, and I would use it wisely, and I would cherish every minute of it. Going forward, if you asked me, I would tell you, I would never go out and assault a human being for any reason at this point. Um, But what I would do if those emotions rose up again in me, and I felt inspired to do so, um, I would seek out five or ten kids that had been abused, and I would do everything in my grasp um, to benefit their lives in any way I could. Teach them, educate them, be near them, show them proper um, human compassion and love and safety. Mm. Those are the things that I would do uh, going forward.
3: As we know, Jason has a brother, a man who suffered the same abuse as he did as a child. The abuse was so bad and left such deep scars that when the two finally saw each other once again in a courtroom many years later, Jason's brother told him that he would have to cut him from his life as Jason was just a reminder of that awful past. Jason told me this took him a while to comprehend and come to terms with. He'd just been locked up and had essentially lost everything. Until one day, he's sitting in his jail cell when a letter slides under his door.
1: As devastating as that process was for me after the fact, like in that moment, that is exactly what is going on in my mind. I'm so glad and so happy to see him again. And I'm and I'm a hundred percent certain that this is wonderful. I have my brother back. This is great. Uh, and who knows what was going through his mind? He was probably just, you know, suffering through the amount of pain and trauma. And here he is in a courtroom testifying about this abuse that we've. He's put behind him, you know. And he's gone on to lead a very successful life. Like he is a is a security uh, computer security person that makes a six figure income and. Uh, travels the world giving lectures and things like that. So um, I can only imagine the the differences in our minds in that moment. Um, But I will also tell you this, that this universe is a very strange and mysterious and powerful place. And so fast forward six or eight or twelve months later and I've lost everything and now I've realized that the brother that I thought was back is gone forever and that's not gonna happen. and strangely, I get a second-day air envelope, UPS envelope, in the mail one day. And inside of it, there are two envelopes. One has a has a long letter, and the other one has pictures. And on the outside of the envelope that has the letter in it, it says, read me first. Um, so, of course, being a guy, I see this is from a chick. So I'm like, oh, man, I need to see if this is a cute chick. So I open up the other envelope right and I'm looking at this girl and I'm like oh shit she's cute this is a cute chick from Texas oh this is great let me read this letter and see what she's got to say the first line of this letter is Jason I am your long-lost sister and I have been looking for you for 20 years
2: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: It was just so devastating. Like I'm tearing up right now because I'm telling you this universe and this life has asked a great deal of me. It has asked me to give and do things at certain times that other people would not understand that have cost me greatly and I've been willing to do that for someone else's behalf and so for this world or this universe to then bring me a sister, which I didn't even know existed when I needed her, uh, just was absolutely amazing. And. Uh, I'm telling you now, From there was a phone number in there, and when she finally answered, because she didn't answer for three days, because she didn't know who was calling, she didn't recognize the number, but anyway, when she finally answered, she has been my little best friend every single day since then. It was an immediate connection, uh, and I just couldn't be more grateful to her and just to this life and how it works, like... In the middle of the worst time, something will come along that will just remind you, uh, you know, that you do have value and that there is something powerful going on here.
3: It was, in fact, Jason's long-lost sister who was the one that helped me get in touch with him. Hey there. Hello, hello. Can you hear me? I've got you loud and clear. Since hello. they discovered each other, Jason's sister has been his loudest supporter and activist on the outside with an Instagram, TikTok, and a change.org petition. Angelina didn't actually know about Jason and where he was until six years ago.
0: Yeah, so, well, I, I didn't know I had Jason as a brother until uh, 2017, but all my life growing up, uh, I knew that I had two half-brothers out there. Basically, uh, my mom raised me until I was six when she passed away, I never knew my father, but my family knew who my father was because it was a very small town, Casper, Wyoming. It's not small anymore, but it was you know pretty small back then, and they knew that he had a, a wife and two kids. Which at the time I didn't know it was a former wife and two kids. I mean, not former kids, obviously, but it was a you know a previous wife, and uh, so my whole life I grew up knowing that I had two half brothers out there, thinking that they. You know, live this happy mom dad, you know, two brothers family out, and I was like
3: little orphan Annie. So Angelina loses her mother at just six years old and never knew her father. She grows up knowing she has brothers out there in the world somewhere, but no way of tracking them down until something called the internet arrives in homes around the world. It spans the globe like a superhighway. It is called internet. That little mark with the A and then the ring around it? At?
2: See, that's what I said. Well, I just, as I mentioned, I have no desire to be a part of the internet. Now, Julian, I see you
1: have your computer linked to the telephone line. Can you tell us how you did that?
3: Yes, well, it's very simple, really. I simply remove telephone jack from the telecom socket and plug it into this box here, the modem.
2: Well, 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 Alison should know. What what is internet anyway? And so uh, when the internet became
0: a thing, uh, I started searching for my brothers and my dad. I started off with his name, you know, and I'd ask my family, hey, how do you spell his name? And I would search and I would find things, I would find his number, but I could never find any evidence of kids. This went off and on, I did this, you know, I'd get a wild hair every, you know, a couple times a year and I'd start searching and uh, I could never find anything of the kids. And then one day in November of 2017, I'm sitting on Facebook, uh, scrolling through and an ad for ancestry.com came across my page and it was like one month free trial and I was like surely I can find my brothers in one month well I signed up for that free trial found them in three days and uh, was devastated obviously to hear their story and realize that I was the lucky one because you know, after my mom passed away when I was six, I had a whole family that fought over me. And there's a whole, you know, I still was able to be raised by my family,
3: but my brother didn't have that. So, Angelina sends off her letter to her brother. And not long after, she gets a phone call.
0: So, I sent a nine page, back, you know, front and back letter and a stack of probably 125 pictures, all in chronological order from when I was born to like basically yesterday with the, his nieces you know in there and and just like showing kind of hey this is who I am here's how I grew up here's a progression blah 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 here's your nieces at first I was very nervous very very nervous when I was doing it in fact it took me a long time it took me uh, there was a point when I was writing a letter that I took a week break when I found his letter to the community like there was just it was a really hard thing for me to do but when I finally sent it off All that nervousness kind of wore off and I kind of just kind of stepped that thought into another corner of my mind and, you know, went on about my day and I'll I'll never forget. I was sitting on the couch with my husband and I got this one eight eight number one eight hundred number, some weird number that I assumed was a uh, telemarketer or something along those lines. I declined the call and then it called again and I declined the call with a text message that said, "Leave me alone, you a hole," <laughs> or something that was rude, right? I was like voicing it, I was talking about it as I was doing it, and my husband goes, "Jeez, Angelina, what if that's your brother?" Didn't even click, and I was like, "Shut up." So I pick up the phone, I call the number back, and it's Securus, the phone company. And I freaked out and I was like through the phone, basically across the room and like freaked out. And like put my hands up against my mouth and was like, started to tear up. And I was like, it wasn't. And then um, he called me again the next day around the same time. And I remember grabbing a beer cause I was so nervous. I was like, oh, I need a beer for this. I need a beer for this. <laughs> and you know, Hello, you have a, a call from an inmate at Spring Creek Correctional Center, da da, da da push one to, so I push one, and I just go all nervous, like, hello? And he goes, you better answer your phone when your big brother calls you, this was literally the first line that he ever said to me, and like, after that, it was, we were inseparable. We were just literally just word vomiting to each other about things that had that we had gone through in our lives and what uh, who we were and, you know, what our father was like, the asshole guy who doesn't want to meet us, you know, just, we just, just back and forth and back and forth. Can I call you again? Of course you can call me. And I think I spent like $40 night one on phone calls with, uh, with Jason. So, yeah.
3: So you have Jason who's been locked up miles away from his own children. His brother has told him he can't be part of his life anymore. And you have Angelina who was essentially orphaned at the age of six years old, and they finally found each other.
0: It was really awesome because, like I said, uh, my mom passed away when I was six. My dad was never-existent, like, he didn't exist, and my closest kin that I had were my children, and I just... It's just something that I always wanted for my whole life, and I finally had it, and yes, he was in prison, which really sucked, and he had a really shitty life, but... You know, I was there and, and, and he finally had somebody that cared about him and knew he existed. And, you know, it was it was really awesome. It was definitely a life changing moment for me.
3: Now, as for Angelina's other half brother, Jason's full brother, Joel, he unfortunately wasn't as open to meeting his long lost sister. So, obviously, you found out that you, you found your two half-brothers. Now, uh, obviously, Jason's told me extensively about the situation between him and his brother, uh, their their background, and them actually not speaking anymore due to that situation. Have you ever had a chance to speak with your other half-brother?
0: So, no, unfortunately. Um, I Whenever I found them, you know, through my links and digging and whatnot, through Ancestry and this and that, and Facebook, I stumbled upon... Who at the moment, when I clicked on the the profile, I thought was, was could possibly be my half brother, which was actually their half brother uh, that their mother had with their molester. They had two kids after she remarried, and I found him and I said, "Hey, are you my half brother? I'm looking, you know, looking for my brothers." And he came back, told me where Jason was. I Googled that, of course. And then I uh, he said, Joel is a bit of a recluse. It was like he's been through a lot of trauma. He's a little I reached out to him and see if I can give you his information so you guys can chat. And he came back the next day and said uh, that Joel said, no, thank you. You know, at the time, I didn't even prepare myself for that kind of rejection. So I definitely was pretty crushed when he came back with that I wasn't expecting that because my entire life all I wanted to do was know what my dad's face looked like and what my brothers looked like and what they were like they were you know my mom was had passed away I didn't have kids so my nearest blood relation was my father and my two brothers and that's like all I thought about the whole time and then once I had children and I just could never imagine like not wanting to know your kin and not wanting to be a part of their lives or, you know, anyway, so that was definitely really a struggle for me whenever I found out that Joel said no.
3: So Angelina's fighting hard to help her brother get an early release from prison. As I mentioned, she has multiple social media accounts as well as a change.org petition, of which you can find the link to in the show notes of this episode. But what does she actually want to see for her brother's future?
0: Honestly, I just want Jason to like have a chance at a life he never had. You know, And I hate to use the word normal. I always put it in quotes, a normal life, yeah, but one that's not the thing that he's lived his entire life. And he deserves a shot at it in my opinion. He's done, he's put in his work. So I super appreciate everything that you've done and all the supporters. We, both of us, we can't thank you guys enough.
3: Thank you so much indeed for your help in connecting me with your brother and, and letting me tell uh, his story. It's been a fascinating um, and, you know, it's a terrifying subject. It's a sickening subject, but it's also something that I think it's a topic that needs to be spoken about more. It, it's sort of a subject that people try and sort of avoid because it's hard to listen to. But I think it's very important that the discussions are, are had so that, you know, we can, that we can learn from these things. And, you know, these mistakes that have quite obviously been made, um, these circumstances will sadly, you know, they're not going to be eradicated. But I think the there needs to be better systems in place for, you know, kids to be able to reach out and and people to speak up more if they see, because I think that was the biggest issue around, you know, Jason's situation is people just not speaking up and and not getting involved and thinking, I think, you know, oh, it's not my place. And and then even, you know, down to the once it was spoken about and the court system and all that sort of stuff, it just obviously, it all needs to change.
0: Agreed. Thank you so much, Jack. I I really appreciate it. This is something that I truly believe in. And I think that the more we... You know, spread the word, and the more uh, chance of a change that we can make in the world when it comes to this um,
2: subject. So, you have one minute remaining.
3: Well, that wraps us up. But as I mentioned at the start of this episode, we are only now a couple of weeks away from Jason's parole hearing. And I will hopefully get the chance to sit down with Jason at the time and find out the verdict. One minute remaining is a Mash Pumpkin production. Produced, hosted, and created by Jack Lawrence. Editing and sound design by Jack Lawrence and Dom Evans. This show is part of the ACAST Creator Network.
2: Why don't
0: more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science...